So, um, so opening stuff you want to discuss before we have our actual yeah that, that, that's that's where my brain was going it's like what's the weird interesting line that you like <laughs> there is no weird was... interesting line this week has been shit welcome to mind pizza <laughs> where we give you a piece of our mind i'm john i'm daniel uh and so why did you expletive uh start the podcast i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> is this a reversed episode that has an e on it uh, i, I think go, it's worth burp. it i think maybe it's worth it i don't know uh <laughs> it, it's not been a great week uh worldwide or or elsewise uh, yeah I, I guess we should start with usually we record on wednesdays and uh, we're recording on saturday this week just due to circumstances so between the week and a half that we've recorded stuff has gone U- down ukraine, ukraine and russia's happened we've only like managed to start a war gas prices are going up on the bright side covid cases are going down so that's a thing yeah uh so it's not all bad but uh there's been a lot of pretty 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 not great stuff yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting time for sure one of those you recognize you're living in history yeah 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 i had that conversation with my family the other day where i was saying uh well with my with my parents where i was saying that like you know i'm of the generation where i've grown up with like by the time i was five like i understood like oh terrorists are a thing because you know mm-hmm. 9 11 um and that was something that i just kind of grew up knowing was a thing and to some degree i kind of like understood like oh okay terrorism is yeah. a thing and this is a a, a military pseudo military strategy but like i haven't really been alive for just like a in classic invasion style just war where it's just like you have land and we're gonna take it like i it, like on a grant on this big of a scale i think between two countries uh to to be critical of america we have definitely been in, in well those yes sorts of engagements yes. for the last entirety of our life well yeah um so i i won't i won't say that we haven't been in that um, yeah but yeah i think it's interesting in our 25 years it was 9 11 when we were five when we were 12 it was the stock market crash in 2008 yeah and then 2020 well i mean there, there's been a lot of different things but then you have like occupy wall street that happened in 2011 the, the rise of like anonymous and things like yeah. that in that era um trump which is, seems to be this interesting anomaly in, in not maybe not anomaly maybe we just don't have the history records to show what the other presidents have been like yeah um but <laughs> the the president precedent president Ooh. precedent wordplay <laughs> trump and then into 2020 which led COVID. to to covid and then now we're two years later and ukraine invaded russia i forgot that russia invaded crimea when we were in high school that is true that did happen so that was also a time of huh maybe um so i guess at this point the 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 topic of the podcast that we wanted to talk about today that i wanted to talk about that has been something i've been thinking about for a bit um was all hope is gone in parentheses or is it so uh this, which is from a song right yeah so i i grew up 
being a metalhead kid in school and hating most everyone in high school. I didn't hate everybody. I just I would rather be with a burning passion. I would rather be doing other things than interacting with dumb kids being dumb. So I I listened to Slipknot and their most uh, commercial commercially successful album was called All Hope Is Gone. And one of the songs is also called All Hope Is Gone. But I remember seeing an interview somewhere, I can't find it anymore, where one of the band band people says, I regret having named it All Hope Is Gone um, because there is not always like hope. Mm. Like hope is not always gone. And I think some of that is colored by (laughs) a year after that album was released, their bass player died. Mm. Um, And then they went on this pretty long hiatus and had dropped their drummer who died last year um, Mm. from some health complications and uh, all those sorts of things. Um, But yeah, especially at a time right now where it does, you can look at the media and say, all hope is Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Russia is going to hit this nuclear site and it's going to cause this fallout. Yeah. Um, We're also the generation that has been, growing up with global warming is a thing and you're done for like there's nothing that you can do it's kind of in the hands of the adults and the the adults are not doing anything Mm. um my family has heard me talk about this quite a bit it's also the generation of the geriatric uh political system yeah where the average age of the senate and the house of representatives is 60 years old yeah which matches with the population, but at the same time, they're not the ones that are going to be around in 40 years actually dealing the with the problem. effects of the policies. Yeah. And yeah. Our, I mean, the great example is uh, the 2020 election. We had five people that the last five people that were running for president, I believe, um, were all going to be historically the oldest president yeah. At one point in their presidency, which is just mm, hurts. Um, yeah, which on the one hand yeah. you can argue like, okay, health technologies have gotten better. So on the one hand, we should expect that the average age of just any person doing any job is probably going to go up. But at the same time, yeah, it doesn't really represent well when it's like especially in politics where it's like the long-term effects, the real lasting effects of these policies are going to play out over decades that you will be dead for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we're only ever given these either ors, especially on the political spectrum. Yep. Um, one that I saw recently in reference to all the Russia, uh, Russia, Ukraine stuff. Um, was around the Keystone Pipeline, mm. um, and it was talking about how many barrels of oil that we purchased from Russia versus how much we would have gotten from the Keystone Pipeline. And it was like, uh, if the number was five hundred thousand that we get from Russia, we would have gotten eight hundred thousand mm. or something like that, like that type of scale. Um, it, it might have been in the millions, um, but that five to eight ratio. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which. On one hand, yeah, it makes sense. But on the other hand, from the other side of the argument, well, why do we need that much oil? Like, 
uh, why haven't we gone faster to some of these technologies? Yeah. Um, which you could get into this spiral of yeah. green energy environmentalism, which I think is good and it is needed. Like we need to, yeah. in general, it just makes sense outside of, um, outside of political leanings and even like the Just climate like survival climate of the species <laughs> well not even that like if you, there, there's the an easy argument to be made of well there's only so much oil and we have to come up with another source anyways yeah so we might as well so we might as well yeah uh so i i think there that that's another argument that not many people give yeah one of the things i am concerned though is that it is uh, green tech? So, solar, wind, yeah. hydrogen, uh, geothermal, all these sorts of things rely so heavily currently on the idea of battery technology, yeah. or especially like everything but hydrogen necessarily. Um, and the best tech that we have is lithium ion batteries currently. Yeah. And lithium is a scarce resource yeah and the time to get lithium out of the ground the process takes six to nine months yeah of drying in the sun <laughs> and e big pools yeah i'm <laughs> like yeah hmm which is difficult but on the other hand we do have like a lot of push for like these green technologies so like yeah the or is it side of this is well, there are a lot of people looking into better technologies for batteries, better technologies um, for the green side of things. Um, the company I work for, we're working, we, we're supplying a company that is turning trash into hydrogen. That is what the, yeah. the, the plan long term is to put this giant, it would sit on like a, a semi-trailer. They drive it up connect it to any methane output sources so one of the biggest greenhouse gas emitter gases convert that to h2 mm -hmm. pressurize it and then that would be used for hydrogen trucks yeah which for those not aware hydrogen is seen as a really good uh solution for long long haul trucking mm. like back and forth um, rather than batteries because just the size to weight yeah just doesn't make sense and it, it still utilizes the internal combustion engine technology that we already have you we have gotten to a point where we're like maximizing very small amounts yeah um but we can still utilize that technology that's really cool yeah um and it solves another problem of the trash problem. <laughs> I mean, you could go on listing all these problems. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that's where we want to start. But. So I guess what this makes me think of is, you know, we have this title of all hope is lost or is it? Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps coming from the fact that I'm. I'm fairly raw coming out of this week, so yes. I'm not my normal uh, positivity self per se. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to challenge and say that m maybe hope is completely overrated, 
and that what we really just need is ingenuity and determination that it's like maybe stop hoping for things to be better and just make technologies that make it better like do things make it better you know and i think that's what you guys are doing i i i yeah i don't like the passivity that makes hope sound Mm -hmm. whereas uh like i i guess it falls under that like kind of christian bent umbrella of uh (laughs) what what i'll call creaster or or christ and christian in name only Mm. um the term i've heard with that is kino c-h-i-n-o or i guess it could be chino um but as opposed to an initial but 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 the idea being like i believe in god but when god fits my schedule and my parameters that sort of thing um that that's what i'm getting at with there but uh i don't think hope is one of those you sit back and you just hope and you just pray like you have to you have to take action like i think that's part of the world we live in (laughs) i think that's something that i think when i was a kid or like growing up and a teenager i was i was pretty big on like yeah hope's really important like it's really important to like you know have those hopes you know of things being better um but i think as i get older increasingly i'm very confused like in the bible when paul writes like in these three remain faith hope and love i'm like faith yeah really important that factors into like determination and those those kinds of things and perseverance love we did a whole episode on that one that's obviously important but i'm like hope what's hope doing in this list like what does hope do you know really i'm like this is to me i I always get i get a little frustrated with hope because i'm like what what like you're not hope feels like the like useless philosopher just like sitting in his nice chair in the corner where i'm like what what you don't do anything like get out there and get your hands Mm -hmm. dirty like well so i think that it's interesting that you've added this passivity to hope because i i could easily argue well what's the point of faith faith Mm. is this passive thing ah yes i believe in god Mm. therefore i'm saved i don't have to do anything and mm. so that that's where you get in the Christian area of okay. where, where you get to the yeah. argument of, well, how does faith play out? Yeah. It usually plays out in some sort of action. Yeah. And so an example that I would say in terms of somebody who does not have hope probably looks like somebody who is either clinically depressed or something like that, mm. where they're not doing much. Um yeah they're just trying to survive just trying to sustain yeah not acting much yes whereas if you have a vision for the future if you have a so to to use the example i just gave of the, the the technology stuff if you have a vision for we can solve the trash problem mm. the the current amassing trash problem and some of the energy problem that we have so with maybe you're saying system. hope provides the vision that then determination and just willpower fills yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, I think that you have to have, I think you can replace uh, vision and hope mm. in kind of the same 
were like okay. re- replaced there. So like if you have a vision for mm. for this, um, we had a we had a hope that maybe there was some value to this podcast that we're creating, mm. and so therefore we are actively yes. having this conversation. We're actively talking about well, yeah, what yeah, does yeah. this look going forward? Um, that ironically plays very well into in DC Comics. Green Lanterns, their rings are powered by will, willpower. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's more defined like courage, but basically willpower. Yeah. Uh, Blue Lanterns, their rings are powered by hope. Um, and in the comics, actually, when a Blue Lantern and a Green Lantern work closely side by side, both of their powers become greater mm-hmm. because the... The Green Lantern gives the Blue Lantern the ability to make their hopes reality, and the Green Lantern gets the Blue Lantern's hope to dream of new things that they can make real. Um, so, interesting. So, can I challenge you again on hope, though? Yes, let's go. So, off the top of my head, let's go. The world seems very random, and it seems like I'm going to try to avoid expletives, but to quote the bumper sticker, crap happens. Yeah. And like, sometimes to me, like, I agree that hope seems like the only reasonable way to live a satisfying life because it's what's going to inspire you to try to make things better. Mm -hmm. But do you think, hmm... So do you think maybe hope is not really about expectation? Because I feel like expectational hope is delusion. Because we live in a world where things just randomly happen and go bad and people just randomly decide to invade Ukraine or other weird things, you know, or, you know, in my case where it's like this week where it's like going into a great week and then your mental health decides to just slap you around a little bit. Yeah things like that where it's like i'm not you know i you know like i had this presentation this week yep. that just went horribly yep and i had this expectation that I like and this hope that like oh this is gonna go really well and this is gonna be a really good uh you know like just boost thing for me it'll be fun mm-hmm. um and then it and then it wasn't um and it was something that because of my hope for it i invited friends family my lab all to yep. come watch yep. and then it went horribly and it was an utter failure mm-hmm. and it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay my expectational hope that that was going to go well mm-hmm. was brutally unfounded mm-hmm. so maybe hope has more just to do with this determination of like i am i have this idea for something that's better and i'm gonna do my best to make it happen while also recognizing that it might not maybe i don't know so I will push back on the randomness. Okay. That I don't I don't necessarily think the world looks random or 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 is random necessarily. I I think there are these storylines that will play out. Um so and the the argument for this is uh in communication theory and communications specifically around cellular networks. If you look at the traffic to a cell tower at any one moment, it looks random when you are looking at all the signals. Mm. So Daniel's phone, John's phone, any of our friends' phone, any of the listeners' phones, going to a cell tower with everybody else in the area looks random. Yeah. It makes no sense. 
If you actually look though for just John's cell phone, there is like a pattern to mm. how things work. So I think that people try to take in the world, the entirety of the world and see randomness mm. because they will see, oh, this Daniel had this bad week, but John had this good week or um, one of our friends or somebody yeah. else. Ukraine gets invaded by Russia, but then you are you're also forgetting that there's also three or four other wars going on at the same time in the world. Yeah. And then hey, maybe one of those wars just got finished. I yeah. I'm not using that like as and a in concrete the middle of example. This, Brando Sando releases a bunch of new books. Exactly. And, yeah. So it's if you're trying to take in all the world, yes, it's gonna look random. Mm. Now, why do bad things happen? I think that's what you're getting at. Or not necessarily. What? I think more just bad things happen. Yeah. I don't really need to know why they happen at this point because it doesn't change the fact that they do happen. It's more just like it feels at this point, and again, I'm speaking from this kind of you know, end mm-hmm. of a end of a long week. This is not my normal yes. personality. But like it can feel sometimes where it's just like uh experience expecting the best result of something yeah like optimism seems like pure idiocy now to me i'm like positivity perhaps you know maybe we can draw a line and say like optimism is expecting the best of everything Mm -hmm. and positivity is making the best of everything and maybe there's a line to be drawn there because i feel like just expecting the best of everything is idiotic like things will not be the best Sometimes it will be better than you expect. Yeah. Sometimes it will be way worse than you expect. And most of the time, they'll probably just be average. Yeah. And I think to dip it. So. But to say like, okay, this may turn out really well. This may turn out really bad. Either way, I'm going to do my best to make the best of it. Or to see the see the good in things. I don't know. Yeah. I think some of it's flexibility i think there's always in in the world of art and music and these sorts of things we talk about creative genius and as if they knew going into the process that uh they knew what they were going to do like van gogh just knew starry night is going to be one of the most impactful paintings of all time rather than and i'm saying this being like a musician and writing music right now i was telling you this before i wrote I wrote some like this song, recorded it, all this, but the whole process along the way, there was like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let me see what that does. Yeah. And then it goes, ah, maybe not. I go for a run and I have a brilliant idea and then just go, okay, that's how this yeah. fits in. Okay, cool. And I say brilliant, but like it was one of those epiphany yeah. moments. Now, maybe like in the long term, it's not like inconsequential. But I still see all the flaws in the Mm. song. And yet everybody who has listened to that song has only ever given me, hey, that's like good. Um, But to your point of like the optimism, like purely everything is going to go well. (laughs) I think that's a load of baloney. Um, You and I both went uh, during the COVID quarantine through like almost a year of living by ourselves separately without knowing each other at the time yep imagine how it would have gone differently if we had known each other 
would it have i mean i would have talked to you on I mean, the phone more well yeah because you were i guess you were in chicago yeah like, it's like, not like okay yeah you were well no i was i was living in lacrosse at the time oh okay so we were so i was legit living by myself working interesting so yeah maybe this would have it's an interesting hypothetical alternate world to yeah. explore if i don't know had, if we really would have got to know each other well but if so i could see an alternate world where mind pizza eventually became or like it came into being as more like a vlog brothers like hank and john <laughs> green thing like back and forth kind of thing hey daniel so yeah today i uh did the dishes finally <laughs> it would have been interesting would have been interesting but anyways continue with your yeah, thoughts so so with that like i knew going into that it was going to be painful but then i also think about all the experiences that i had had before that i don't know if you know this basically every summer from like 2017 on was a bad summer mm. because it was either me living by myself or me doing some some stressful work but a lot of it was a lot of loneliness mm. and i could not figure out for the life of me like the why god why god have you forsaken me why have you put yeah. me in this spot only to then in 2020 live by myself for an extended period of time which really 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 sucked really sucked and like yeah me being more of an extroverted t- mm. person it like it was even harder of like well i well, can't yeah. go meet new people or i mean go- obviously i still live by myself but yes i'm an introvert and like that hits my balance now of like when i when i want to see people i come out of my turtle shell and i yep. go see people yep. and then i retreat back in but for you very different it, yeah and i yeah so um yes having this idea that everything ever is going to go right for you is idiotic yes everything is not awesome the lego movie lied to you (laughs) but at the same time those imperfections lead to something more beautiful and Mm. lead to a more interesting story i don't know how how this week being so hard for you yeah is going to add to that story yeah but and maybe it will just be a stumbling block but maybe that's also like you go through this period of time and then you go you you come to some realization a month later from now like oh so that ah like Hmm. yeah it does so it's interesting one thing that made me think of is and maybe i've mentioned it before on the podcast but I just like I really like learning more about visual effects in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, not a career I would ever want to be in, but I just really enjoy learning about it. Um, I think mostly because it it is a form of storytelling. Um, but one of the things in visual effects that's very important is if you want to make something look good, you purposely make it imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like the classic example is. Um, like the first Iron Man movie and and Iron Man subsequently after that. One of the reasons, especially for in 2008, why it looked so good was because if you zoom in, there's just little imperfections and scratches on the metal and there's fingerprints where he's been touching it, Mm -hmm. you know, and all these things where it's like these little details that it's like makes it an imperfect, like it's not a shiny brand new suit. Yep. But it 
tells more of a story because it has imperfections in it. So that's kind of what that makes me think of. Um, and I will say already, like from this week, um, yeah, because in short, basically, I had this presentation. It was a big presentation for a competition, and I'm I do public speaking all the time. I'm a volunteer teacher. Like I do not have problems with speaking in front of people. I I enjoy it normally. Um, and then I had this presentation where I got up there and I started talking for about twenty seconds, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I just it was kind of like I couldn't breathe, but not necessarily even that. It was just like my mind blanked. I could not remember anything. And it was just this surreal thing where it was like times moving really slow. And then eventually it was kind of this weird thing of like, I only know how to describe it as like feeling like your brain is on fire inside your skull. Like you can feel the outline of your brain Mm -hmm. in your skull. Um, not a fun experience and very hard to like think through. Uh, in any case, I botched this competition. I literally just walked back off the stage. Um, not normal for me. Um, but I feel like it has as much as it's been very hard to walk through, especially cause it's like, as I said before, I invited everyone I care about in my life to this and then failed in front of all of them. Like, mm-hmm. especially Enneagram type one INFJ type personality. It's like, that is literally your worst nightmare. Like there, it does not, it, that's really bad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like it has taught me more about like, you know, I was sitting at home, you know, the next day, you know, I had gotten done with work. Like I barely got through work and I'm sitting at home and like, literally I have all my lights off. And I'm just like alternating between being like curled in a fetal position or like cradling my head because I feel like my brain's on fire. Um, And I was just like, I had to get to this point of like, what is this? Like, this is so weird. And so I had to learn more about it. And I was like, oh, this is anxiety. That's what it's like. Interesting. And like, I'm learning more about it and being like, oh, this is, this is a, like not a super common effect of anxiety, but like an effect of anxiety. And I think for me, it has already taught me more of a having to recognize, like I am a human being with a human body (laughs) and like my human body has reactions like anxiety. And you know what? Ain't nothing you can do about that. There's things, I mean, there's things you, you can do to manage it, but like, Ain't nothing you're going to do about it. It's just going to happen. Yeah. But I think it's also taught me a lot more sympathy for people in my life that I've had that have had to deal with anxiety every single day. You know, where it's like, you know, prior to this, like I I understood like, okay, this is this is a difficult thing for you. This is semi debilitating sometimes. You were able to fully sympathize. But all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I always like I would have friends who like, yeah, when they're anxiety, they're just like. You know, they described it as like crippling anxiety, and I'd always be like, "Okay, you know, like I'm I'm sorry, obviously, and like I care about these people, but like I I don't I don't understand." Mm -hmm. And then to like have this one experience of being like, "Oh my gosh, like is that your reality every day? Like is this how you normally? How do you function? (laughs) Like, I think it's just taught me a lot more sympathy, empathy. I don't know which one 
of that of just to realize like wow that that sucked that was not great <laughs> um and thankfully i i don't normally experience that hopefully i won't again <laughs> but like there's people who like that that's your normal that's your normal life experience and like that that's hard like now that i know there's like i could barely think when that was happening at all like you know so it's already taught me some good things that way you know and and i think also it's being an infj and a and an enneagram type one person i have this tendency to i want i want to put on this superman persona of like i am good at things mm-hmm. and i'm fine and the fact of the matter is is like i'm not always good at things and i'm not always fine Mm-hmm. and like you know i i told a friend of ours like this week marked the first time like i after this event like i cried in front of another member of my lab that has never happened ever and it felt so weird to me because i was like i do not want to be yeah seen that like way. this feels like you know superman doesn't cry like come on you know uh, i mean maybe he does in the movies i don't know but it's like this thing of like this this is your version of who you saw yourself as yeah and you wanted other people to see yeah you it's like was. i i see myself in my work as being dependable and competent yeah like my two skills it's like i am not fast i am not a quick thinker i am dependable and i am competent and it's like i had this moment where it's like I just choked giving a presentation. I was not dependable to give that. And like, <laughs> I'm utterly incompetent to do anything than other than barely think right now because I can't, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And it was like, wow, okay. Well, you guys all just got to see me disprove the main basis of how I view myself in a work setting, you know? Um, so it's also taught me a little bit more about that and i think it's been i've been very appreciative towards it because in a way you know i also had you know the people at work who were just really supportive you know uh that person who did see me cry (laughs) they were like you know daniel you are our colleague like we care about you Mm -hmm. like it's not about the work like we care about you and and your ability to produce the work like you know this this wasn't like a disappointment you know they were like we're worried for you and how you are doing after this we could care less about the event itself and i think that for me like i was super thankful for that because that also like just kind of opened up this level of knowing some of my you know colleagues at work that was like oh you guys actually care about me as a person. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you know? So there has been, there have been those good things. And I think those, like you were saying, those storylines through the randomness, you know? Um, so it's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you make a good point that it's like, when we just view the world, especially on a global scale, things can seem really random. And I think part of that is because it's like with modern technology and news and such, we can view 
and be aware of so much more than we could before that mm-hmm. it's like and so much that we can do nothing about that it can add to that sense of randomness because all we're getting is just isolated events without any idea of the story going on behind it um and so maybe there are good things to be found you know that's that's tough to say especially in the midst of you know yeah millions of refugees <laughs> escaping ukraine and things like this but yeah so i i i guess get, getting to that point because i i tend to be in my job fairly good at being able to strategize what like the long-term kind of mm. viewpoint can be um and at least that's something i try to be good at is yeah okay i understand how to do the nitty nitty gritty details i was getting that wrong all week during work that that gritty phrase. nitty nitty gritty I think I was saying nitty ditty or something like that. That's <laughs> Which, getting dangerously close to some yeah, other words. Yeah, no, I was nitty gritty. That's literally <laughs> what I was meaning. Um, but so the, those that, that detail laugh. level as an engineer one at the company mm. that I work at, like that's supposed to be what I'm good at. Yeah, and it, it is. But it also like I'm also very good at that long term strategy yeah. planning and like seeing the bigger picture outside of my own little piece mm. of work. Um, and so those are two opposing sides. So one of the good things out of all this Russia stuff is I had a feeling this was inevitable Mm. Russia attacking Ukraine, Yes. even with all the rhetoric and talking of, oh, well, economic sanctions will stop them and all, all these things. One, I, I didn't see that happening, but two, one good thing I'm really happy that hasn't happened is China attacking Taiwan. That I thought mm. was a given. I thought the moment Russia attacks Ukraine, China would attack Taiwan. Mm. And then if the US intervened on the Chinese Taiwanese front, that China would then do start attacking US cyber yeah in in, in the cyberspace. Um an example was uh do you remember the the pipeline that got shut down in North Carolina like a year or two ago. No. Um, maybe North Carolina. It was the Eastern Seaboard. Okay. Um, whole big pipeline got shut down. Gas lines, all these sorts of things. Um, got to two days before um, like really disastrous stuff yeah. could have happened in hindsight, like wrecking, yeah. like looking at it now because they were two days away from running out of diesel. Mm. And that would have not only affect just the eastern seaboard, but the rest of the country, mm. because that would have stopped energy production. That would have stopped trucks going places. Yeah, like all all our supply chains would have just whoosh. Yeah. Um, so that's one hope that I see is good coming out mm. of this. That it could have been worse. Yeah, it, it could have been worse, and then it's not thus far. Mm. Um. I mean, obviously, there's the bad side of seeing this Russia-Ukraine thing. Yeah. Um, from the COVID side, I think, I hope that, <laughs> I, when I say I hope there, it, it's more passive because I can't take mm. any action of it, on it. But I hope that the learnings that we took from the initial parts of COVID will play on of... Mm having ppe produced in the yeah. country not having it be 
out outsourced yeah. to other countries to actually having a pandemic task force that exists yep even though i think it was five years or two years before like really mm. recent before covid it was within trump's administration so that two the years then pandemic task yeah. force was <laughs> eliminated so Just great timing some of those like details of like all right this has to exist yes yep. it might seem dumb right now but like there is no pandemic going on but at the same time that is something that we should have at all times so i'm hoping that's a learning that we take away yep and again passive hoping i can't really take action on this unless i went into politics or something yep. like that same with ppe i think one of the things that the manufacturing world like industry is learning is how much our supply chains are just bonkers semiconductor industry has been in full ramp um since fall of 2020 Mm. um so that means they're adding more tools adding more fabs um there's billions of dollars going into new fabs and all this and then when russia hits ukraine do you know how much what percentage of u.s neon comes from ukraine a lot 90 percent do you know what neon's important for semiconductors semiconductor production also retro signs Uh, also retro signs but mostly semiconductor production (laughs) are you telling me there's more semiconductors in our society than retro neon signs from the 80s i'm saying that i think it i I can't remember what the i'm being sarcastic i very much believe there are a lot more semiconductors. the number of transistors that have been created in the world is six it's not it's heptillion rise of the planet of the transistors not quadrillion not what's after quadrillion i don't know i don't know so it's a lot quadrillion so big trillion, number quadrillion and then add six more zeros that is how many transistors we have made transistors make up all the chips and stuff there's usually a billion transistors per like chip so m- modern day lots so, of numbers so lots of numbers um but yeah, that's the that's the most mass produced uh, invention we've ever created. Mm. It's the little tiny on off switch. <laughs> it's important <laughs> that it runs on everything. Um, so recognizing that just about the semiconductor industry alone, um, that's cr- that. I think that's some learning. So the- what I'm hearing is that computers and gas are gonna start getting really expensive. <laughs> uh gas is already expensive well yeah but getting continuing (laughs) continuing to get more expensive um plus the inflationary pressures that we have um inflation has been crazy recently yes um so i guess and then uh what what was just manufacturing in general being kind of this crazy all over the place thing um those are the things that feel like Oh, these are big, massive yeah. problems that we have no, no hope of solving. Mm. One, the, the pandemic task force having that as like tri- like common knowledge that yep. that needs to exist. PPE being produced in in each country that it is required yep. for, and we can throw in their RNA based vaccines that can be produced way faster than other kinds of vaccines. Should new pandemics arise, should um. There's a lot of questions around big pharma and that, but well, I, I, yes. I could go into more on that later. Um, 
sorry. Uh, so the, the inflationary pressures that we have right now, a lot of that actually has to deal with a combination of 2008, mm-hmm. the stock market the way that it was from 2008 to 2020. 2020 has this massive drop off. Yep. And then the economic recovery that we had after that. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, is now we are, I think, sig- a, a significant percentage higher than we were were even before COVID happened mm. in, in the stock market. Um, probably 150%, maybe even close mm. to 200% higher across the stock, uh, uh, across the S&P 500. Um, one of the things that I think we'll see in the near future is a lot especially with inflation, a lot more discussion on how financial policy actually works. Yep. Um, because at this point it has been discussions, uh, has been discussions of bailing out big businesses. Mm. Um, and then the ensuing problems with that. So, uh, an example being, uh, airlines, were bailed out quite a bit in 2008 mm. is my understanding yep and then in the early 2010s they bought back a significant number of their shares mm. but not investing that back into their business or anything like that and so now they're at the point where COVID hits and it destroys them yeah. having any bottom line like coming in understandable people don't want to travel in the middle of that but yep. how do they sustain through that and then also the, the costing on that. Um, but that's an issue from 2008. Yeah. That's not a 2020 issue. Um, one of the things on uh, news networks right now that's talked about is that inflate or the rhetoric that will be used is that because of the economic policies that we chose to take of giving a thousand dollars to every person as part of the economic relief is the reason that we're having all this inflation now. Yeah. The money supply. Yes. Because I believe it's something like 40% of all dollars that are in circulation were printed in the last two years. Oh, wow. Which is stupid. Yeah. Uh, So yes, on that point, I agree, but also um, I don't think that it's, the issue of giving the money to the people, mm. I think it's how it was done. Yeah. So printing a whole bunch of new money to do that. So yep. increasing the money supply by 40%. So that discussion needs to happen. Yeah. The discussion on having more and more semiconductors built in the United States. I mean, we're, we're saying that as U.S. centric people, like we. Yeah. Domestic I, I want, production. Domestic production across are. the board. Um. I think makes a lot more and more sense and will be talked about more and more oil and gas. I think that's the big one that, uh, with gas prices rising is you're going to see a lot more discussion on one, how do we avoid these sorts of things going forward Two, what are the solutions? Yep. I don't have a third right now. Um, (laughs) it's always nice to have threes. Uh, but yeah, so how, how do you how do you solve that issue? How do you so- solve the gas gas issue? One, could you get a hybrid car? 
but you're still burning gasoline. Yep. Two, you could get an electric car. My parents have three of them, or they technically have hybrid cars, but yeah, mostly electric. They're all right, but like th- there, there needs to be more. Yeah. More than one solution. There, there's one more. There are multiple technologies that need to solve that problem. Yeah. And maybe all these pressures will force things to change. Yeah. Hopefully. Again, passive hopefully. <laughs> we don't end up in a war with Russia. Yeah. Around all this. That is one of the things I have been grateful or grateful for thus far in the US handling mm. of problems as they haven't imposed a no fly zone over Ukraine. Um, and they haven't committed any troops whatsoever in into the actual fight. Yeah. Despite all the uh, all, all the fighting going on. Yeah. Because if the U.S. and Russia get involved, China gets involved, and it's probably the U.S. versus Russia and China, that triggers China to go attack Taiwan. Yeah. That takes out a significant portion of semiconductor production. And things get bad real fast. Things get bad real fast if you also then start attacking. Because World War th- World War Three, yes, will have the threat of nukes, but the ma- vast majority, my guess would be cyber war yeah and that would be a whole other beast um and maybe that's another push that we'll see um going forward is an understanding of how how badly we're at with uh cyber altogether yeah social media is a really bad proponent of that Mm. uh how so so 2016 there was the discussions of russians hacking the election yes but they never it wasn't like they put ballots in the ballot box yeah what ended up happening is they would create these troll not not troll accounts they would create accounts on facebook or Mm -hmm. twitter or things and what do the extreme talking points of Mm. here's this far right extreme talking point and here's this far left extreme talking point um on facebook i think it's 19 out of the top 20 groups on facebook are uh 19 out of the top 20 christian groups on facebook Mm. are run and owned by russian bots weird so u.s being yeah heavily christian and so it's less about like, oh, we're going to submit secret ballots and it's going to be more like we are going to influence how the voters vote. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and then social, I can see how them, social media would do that. Yeah. Make them fight amongst each other. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now there's even the like talking points of, well, is Russia doing the right thing or not? Like there mm. is actually that discussion happening within the U.S. Mm. And it, funnily enough, flips usually to how it would normally be of the left, which would tend to lean more of the socialist communist bent. If yeah. you took it to an ex- extreme is anti-Russia. And then the far right yeah. aspect of it is pro-Russia, mm. which is this interesting flip of yeah, like you wouldn't expect far right leaning people to be arguing for a communist yeah. type government. Um, but it is that influence, not from a, uh, 
literally stuffing the ballot box but yeah if you can if you if you surround the people with the people with quote people yeah that influence how they speak and think and talk if they make it sound like donald trump is the only um choice for a christian to choose Mm. a good christian Mm. good evangelical christian to choose yeah then the choice is simple it's donald trump and the republican party yeah because so maybe this is kind of a good kind of big take-home points kind of conclusion sort of thing so in the midst of all of this with all these things like you were saying kind of passively hoping they don't go bad and all these big systems whether it's yeah the threat of cyber war or whatever um or even in my case things like this week where it's like mental health things that you Mm -hmm. can't control all these things that are out of our control what do we do like what 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 do you think the average person should should do when faced with these things that are out of our control One, don't always expect that everything is going to go perfect in your life. Um, Two, if you're having a really good life right now, it's not always going to be that way. Mm. In all reality, the U.S. has been having a really amazing time the last 80 years or so. Yep. Since the end of last war- the last world war. Yes, the, there have been some scary times. Yes, we, we talked about 9-11. Yeah. But in the vast scheme of things, the U.S. has been the out-and-out winner. Yeah. From, yeah, that time frame. So maybe we're not, like, from an America-centric point of view, maybe we're not the world superpower we once was. We once were. <laughs> english uh (laughs) we once were or maybe or or maybe we end up even even better off in the long Mm. term um in terms of what you can do now while all this is going on i mean it depends on what i hate saying it what your calling is uh Mm. if you are somebody who feels the need or drive to push for uh, green technologies to be adopted as a solution to some of the energy problems that we're going to be facing mm-hmm. in the next little bit, or being a proponent of nuclear as the base resource or yeah. base energy or something like that. Or uh, if you're not called to any of that at all, like uh not live your best life but like don't live in fear but live hope passive hope for the best but expect the worst mm. but still live your life but gosh, I mean, because <laughs> you could take that a whole another direction now that I've said that Just kind of to, uh, well, I'm going to go make a bomb shelter. And uh, yeah, because I'm expecting maybe, the worst. Maybe it's more just like that. Living in the tension 
of just accepting that like good things will happen bad things will happen we hope for the good things to happen while also knowing that bad things will happen we can't live our lives and let them be controlled by the bad things or the possibility of bad things but also it's ignorant to live as if they'll never happen and so just living in that tension of like okay yeah no we can't consistently live like we only expect bad things to happen but we can yeah have enough wisdom to say those things may happen and perhaps there's ways we can minimize them happening or manage when they do happen but mostly putting into yeah okay those things may happen and how can we reasonably prepare for those things or manage them without letting it rule our entire life maybe just kind of accepting that tension that like there there will never yeah so an answer (laughs) so i think there's accepting the tension but also um providing the space for some people Mm. so you might not be the person that makes the decision Mm. we are not the president of the united states Mm. we're not joe biden we're not anybody on his staff those are the people that have to from the America-centric side, yeah. worry about that. Zelensky on the Ukraine side has to worry about yeah. that. Uh, Putin and his people people need to need to worry about that on their side. Yeah. But then at the same time, how can you from from that? Like, if you don't have control of it, how can you help it? Um, provide them the space to make the decision. Mm if you have the authority or the influence to have any sort of conversation or yeah, these sorts of things. Um, if you feel so like you need to have those conversations, have those conversations. But if you don't have that, you are not in control. Like yeah. you're not the one driving this car. You're a passenger along. Yeah. If it crashes, you're hoping that the driver is driving with your best intentions. Yeah. But you you never know. And that's part of the just the game of life too. Mm. I got nothing else. So it's difficult. It's hard. It's always it's always hard in times like this where things are uncertain and there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers and there's bright possible futures, but there's very bleak possible futures. Yep. I mean, my again, passive hope is that at the end of this, somehow we end up being friends with Russia and China. I think that's two of the, two of the problems that we have had since mm the sixties is rather than treating them truly as a friend and a ally, we have treated them as they hurt us before or they could hurt us. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep them at an arm's length. Yeah. Um, I think also with these things, your, you know, your term of passive hope, you know, as much as I'm, I'm still on the side of like, I, I, I don't totally see where, 
you know, other than hope providing inspiration for action, I don't necessarily know what it does. I do still think that like, I think again, coming from our kind of religious worldviews, like Mm -hmm. within our kind of flavors of Christianity, I think, you know, I think those are places where you can, you know, bring that into prayer and just be like, look, I, I can do nothing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, you know, send that one up in prayer, but other than that, it's like, well, um, that, that one's out of my hands and I can hope, Yeah, you know, I can, yeah, I can hope it's going to go otherwise, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess to clarify, there are the big things that you can't do much about, mm-hmm. therefore you must passive hope. Yeah. But for the things that you can control or the things that you are taking action on, you have an active hope. You have yeah. an, an, an image for the picture to replace. Yeah. And the difference between the passive and the active is that you have a vision for what that looks like. Yeah. You just either have the ability to or don't have the drive to. Mm. I think that's where it is. Yeah. Is you have a picture and you either want with all the geopolitical stuff you have a picture and you see a world where it's all peaceful but you don't take any action on that that's a passive hope Mm. if you have a vision of finishing your phd thesis or on the grand geopolitical scale world peace then you you're taking active Mm. action in that or active hope so i think hope is having the picture but the passive versus active part is whether or not you have the drive want and tools tools yeah to do it well so my stomach is passively hoping (laughs) for food (laughs) And it's soon to start actively hoping for food. It's going to do something about well, that. Well, it's a good thing because I don't think all hope is gone. So, <laughs> <laughs> This has been Mind Pizza, where we give you a piece of our mind. I'm John. I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.